Father Joel Scuffum, uh, as I mentioned last night, his father uh, pastors in Mission, Kansas, First Baptist Church there, and they're going to the field of Cambodia. And so, Brother Joel, why don't you come introduce your wife and give us a little bit of testimony about what we're going to see, okay? All right, like you said, we are the Scuffum family, uh, missionaries to Cambodia. We've We've uh, just started on full de- full-time deputation just for about two months now. We started, uh, been, been going full-time since the beginning of January, and, and Lord's, Lord's provided all of our needs, and so thankful for that. And um, thankful I have the Sandala family uh, from our church as well over in First Baptist Mission. They're, um, they're getting ready to go as missionaries as well, and, and so uh, just thankful for, for our, our home church and uh I truly am truly am thankful whenever uh, scheduling everything. Uh, this is one of the services that you know, that I've just been so much looking forward to, and just the influence of your church uh, through the years, and so just very thankful for that. And um, so about about Cambodia uh, is really a pretty small country. It's right about the same size of our state of Oklahoma. Um, but um, but really, we, all the people within Oklahoma w- would be just within the capital city of Phnom Penh, uh, and and uh, the country as a whole would have four times more people than, than the state of Oklahoma. There's just a, a such a great need in, in the country for Baptist churches, uh, and just the, very much as Brother Parker was uh, talking about in Japan last night, uh, for a person to be Cambodian is to be Buddhist. And, and and to be to to grow up in Cambodia or, or really very many of the countries in that area is just very uh, ethnic based. To to be uh, Cambodian is so much tied just within your family structure, government, your whole identity as a Cambodian is very much tied within just the religious system, and. and uh, even the if we have an example of the Cambodian flag on our table back there, and right at the center of their flag is Angkor Wat Temple, and uh, that being the uh, the old Buddhist temple there, and just uh, again ties in the, their national identity uh, and as people is just so much tied within just their dead religious system, uh, and very much it's very similar to uh, like, like we would grow up here in Kansas and. Uh, and see those that are and would claim to be Catholics and just Catholics just by tradition's sake alone. Very much the same way in, in that aspect as well. You know, well, I'm, I'm Cambodian, therefore I'm Buddhist. And, and so very much just, just a dead religion, dead tradition in that aspect. And um, one of the sayings that they have in Cambodia is uh, translated as self saves self. And, and also the uh, do good, get good, and very much just the works-based aspect. And but the reality is that, that we know from the Bible that no person can save themselves. And and just the, the aspect that uh, one of the theme verses in our our deputation time is First Timothy two verses four and five says, speaking about God, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The people there in that, in that area are, 
Uh, There is the dead religion, but there's also those that are very sincere within what they believe. But just sincerity doesn't, doesn't get them to heaven. Just because they may be sincere about following Buddha, Buddha is incapable of getting to heaven. They are incapable of getting themselves to heaven. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So they, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a very, very much a great need of the gospel. There, there are Baptist missionaries there, but there's not enough. And so Lord, Lord has called me and my family to go and uh, just, just thankful for the Lord's leading uh, upon our lives. Uh, we'll show the video here now and then I'll say a little bit more. missionaries to Cambodia. Cambodia is home to about 16 million people. This is a country that is entrenched in Buddhist religious traditions and worship. Yet the religion offers no hope whatsoever. The government claims 95% Buddhism, but there is also Islam, Catholicism, and Evangelicalism. In the last 30 years, God has provided for some Baptist churches to be established. There is still a great need for Baptist churches to be started in the cities and the villages. This is a country that has been ravaged by wars of the past through the tyranny of Pol Pot during the 1970s. We are sent out of First Baptist Church of Mission, Kansas, where my dad, Larry Scuffum, is the pastor. From birth, I was privileged to grow up in a Christian home. Since my earliest memories, I knew about the gospel and went to church. I had made a profession of faith when I was five years old. In the summer of 2004, God began working on my heart regarding my need of salvation. God used a youth conference, preaching, and personal testimonies to show me my need of salvation. Later at home, I asked God to forgive me of my sins. God has used a missions conference twice for a call to ministry. In 2014, God called me to preach. In response to that call, I began preparing for ministry, and in 2021, God called me to missions. At the young age of seven, I made a profession of faith, and even at that young age, I knew it wasn't true. It wasn't until I was 13 at youth camp that God convicted my heart and showed me my need for salvation. And it was there that I bowed my knee and called on Him to save me from my sins. God allowed us to visit Cambodia in April of 2022. It was during this time that God confirmed my call to the field of Cambodia. Our goals will be to learn the language, serve in ministry with a veteran missionary, seek God's will on where to start a Baptist church, and to train and disciple nationals for Christian leadership. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 Timothy 2, 4, and 5 says, Who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Please pray about partnering with us as we prepare to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in the country of Cambodia. But as it's been said, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, and and uh, I made a profession of faith when I was younger. Uh, Lord worked on me through uh, preaching, through youth camp and, and youth conference, and, and I was saved when I was 15. 
And from, the, from that time, uh, I knew that I, I wasn't called to preach, wasn't called to full-time ministry, uh, but and after high school, I, I knew the Lord wanted me to go to Heartland Baptist Bible College, and uh, just the just my heart during that time was just to serve the Lord and, and to, to just be a servant to God. And, and, and so we graduated from Heartland, moved to Stratford, Missouri, and worked with the teenagers there at, at Berean Baptist Church and for, for six years. And it was during my time there, that, that the Lord did call me to preach in, in 2014. And so I, I began uh, preparing for ministry there. Uh, Lord started working in my heart at that time. I, I thought uh, towards church planting or uh, missions, but but I knew the Lord closed that door uh, shortly after that, and, and just that, and so it's just kind of during one of those situations of life where uh, you, uh, you you know God's purpose and you know what God wants you to do, but just kind of in a waiting, holding pattern, just kind of waiting what what God truly does want you to do. And so we, uh, uh, about four years ago, we moved uh, back here to uh, Mission, Kansas, to help in the church here, uh, and, and uh, we, we started preparing for ordination, Brother Stephen uh, and Brother Travis and I, and we started preparing for that, and it was in my, my heart during that time, I thought that the Lord would have me to pastor a church somewhere in this area. And it was just kind of my vision, my my thoughts during that time. Um, sometimes during the testimonies, I'll, I'll talk about now that it was August of 2021, uh, or uh, uh, we were driving home from church one day, and, and uh, during a, just a hot August day that is around here, and, and just taking off my tie and adjusting it, and uh, just made a comment to to Valerie that you know, we, we we just need to move somewhere where I don't have to wear a tie for church and, and just, I, I don't like ties and, and, and so I, we, I made that comment to her and, and so the Lord the Lord used that though to just open up a conversation that I was willing if the Lord would call me and, it, and through that conversation I knew my wife was willing for it and submitted and, and so the Lord used that and uh, just about a month or so later, uh, we were in our missions conference, and I knew, knew the Lord was working on my heart uh, to, to surrender to missions. And uh, we were in the missions conference there, and just so happened to be, you know, I was, I was uh, teaching in, a, in the adult Sunday school class out of Judges chapter number 6 with the account with Gideon. And how that God God found Gideon in the wine press, but Gideon's purpose was out on the battlefield, and 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 just so happened that I was, I was in that exact spot and teaching a series in, in uh, the Sunday school class. I, I knew the Lord was uh, working on me at that time, and and, uh, and so I surrendered to missions, and and, and uh, just that. Uh, just thankful for that aspect and how the, the Lord called me so then we're at the spot of well i know that god's called me well where do we go and so uh i just started uh praying about where and seeking god seriously about where he would have us to go and during that missions conference we'd had a missionary in uh former missionary to vietnam and i'd had a burden as well already for the southeast asia region and the lord 
Lord, use the circumstances and through others as well to just continue to narrow things down. And of all things, uh, I was just um, uh, during that time of seeking the Lord, I was looking at different aspects of just generalized information on each each country. And I'd never heard anything before about the Khmer Rouge situation in the 1970s and the genocide that it was back then. And that was all new information to me. And I, I think the Lord used that to uh, just draw my attention when we started exclusively praying about Cambodia. And just that uh, it was in our hearts at that time as well as we're uh, communicating to our church that we, we wanted to be on the, on the field and to... Uh, see the country and see the people and and allow that time to for God to say yes or no and so we were able to go uh, last April to to Cambodia and Lord showed me very clearly out of Judges chapter number seven uh, just that uh, God's sufficiency and God that uh, it wasn't about Gideon in that battle but it was about God working through Gideon and just thankful that uh, that God God called and just and just and I can move forward in confidence, and just so continue to pray for us as we continue to travel on deputation and uh, ask us questions after the services, before services. Love to answer your questions. Two quick questions. Thank you. Question. Okay. Yes, Mister. Yes, ma'am. They 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 speak exclusively Khmer in the language. Uh, it's just just to just in Cambodia. They, uh, the, the, there's not really any dialects off that language, so thankful for that, and it's just the one language. But it, it was certainly, we'll, we'll need the Lord's help learning the language. It'll be difficult for sure. Yes. Yeah, they use Rial. Uh, we have a couple of uh, the bills on the table there. Um, but it's a blessing as well that we can actually just use American dollars there as well, uh, even in the marketplace, businesses as well, and so it's interchangeable. Um, but it's 4,000 real to one dollar. Man, we'll have uh, Brother Foster come and lead us in another song. Lord bless you for being here tonight. Let's stand. Sing the first and last verses of hymn number 377, Rescue the Perishing.
starts with just one voice that takes a stand that makes a choice to live for God and not hesitate to tell the world about amazing grace. One day that seed somehow breaks through where there was one stands to and soon another takes his hand a ray of hope that spreads across the Parker with us, Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie. Uh, we have a, a well-known 
uh, well, maybe not well-known, but we have a, a Miles, Major Miles with us tonight. I asked him if he wanted to introduce his son uh, to us, but you probably heard him on the radio giving the reports of all the accidents and everything. And uh, so I offered him the opportunity. He wants to stay low-key, so that's why I called him out in front of you all. But uh, any, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, it, it, it's really cool um, at our missions conference this year that we've got the Scuffums just really got out on the road uh, a few months ago and opportunity signs ordination council again watched him grow up watch brother Jack grow up and miss Lizzie and to see God put them together at a rather young age and then uh, complete uh, going to school and then marry uh, had opportunity to be at their wedding and all those exciting things that those milestones in their life and then they're just really now getting started they just got back from their survey trip and uh, so uh, I'm glad as a church we're at a point that uh, we can be a blessing to them and have them in and encourage them and uh, so brother Parker brother Jack why don't you come and preach for us tonight what God's laid on your heart Before you do, <laughs> before you do, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Brother Chuck. Brother Chuck's going to sing for us. I've had a good opportunity. You can have it. Over good times, and so why would a king decide to leave his throne in heaven? Why would he come so far to save my heart from sin? And how it hurts to know the worst he had to suffer was just because he chose to die for what I did. I owe him everything. I owe him everything. All because he took my place that day at Calvary. gave me a brand new life how could he love me so I owe him everything he gave 
spite of ways I'm still ungrateful. He gives me mercy, though the debt I owe is clear. And day by day, I wake to find He's faithful. I'll sing it now and in the next 10,000 years. I owe him everything. I owe him everything. All that day at Calvary. His willing sacrifice gave me a brand new life. How could he love me so? I crimson stain he washed it white as snow his willing sacrifice gave me a brand new life how could he Sure thankful tonight that we serve a God who, who does. He loves us. He loves us. There's people all over this world who just don't understand. A God who would love me instead of being motivated by fear or shame. He loves us. It's nothing we can do. It's not of our works or our ability. It's all Him. He loves us. Amen. Amen. Going to be in the book of Ruth tonight. Book of Ruth, chapter 1. Sure thankful for the opportunity to preach here tonight. Um, thank you for having us for the Met Singer and having our family. It's certainly been a blessing so far, and looking forward to the next couple of nights as well. Uh, 
Book of Ruth tonight, if you would stand with me, we'll, we'll try and read here rather quickly as Lord willing, we're going to make it through chapter 1 and even part of chapter 2. Don't get too scared. Uh, we're not covering the whole thing, but we'll, we'll get through it here tonight. Uh, it's probably not the most common book for a missions message, the book of Ruth, but I really believe there's a, a specific challenge in here tonight for, for all of us, and um, I think we're going to see that as we get into it here. Uh, the book of Ruth, chapter 1, we'll begin reading there in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. The name of his sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malan and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. And she kissed them, they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if, if I should have an husband also tonight and should bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, it, it grieveth me much for your sakes that the, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And verse 16 here is key, folks. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. There will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Ruth made a choice, a choice that affected every aspect of the rest of her life, and we here tonight feel the effects of this choice that this young Moabitess woman made to make God her God. Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, Lord, sure thankful for the opportunity to be here, the opportunity to preach. Lord, we're sure thankful for the, the messages that have already been preached, the, the singing that's taken place, the presentations made. Lord, thank you for uh, allowing us to gather here tonight uh, for the purpose of worldwide and, and home missions. 
Lord, do pray tonight that you'd bless the message. Help it to uh, be your words and not mine. Bless tonight, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And thank you all for standing. I'm sorry it's a little bit longer. I do appreciate that. The book of Ruth, as is mentioned there in verse number one, it takes place in the, the time of the book of Judges. Uh, the book of Judges is a, a very dark and difficult period in the history of the nation of Israel. It's full of, of wickedness and idolatry, immorality, um, pride. It, it truly is one of the saddest books in the Word of God. Uh, and that's why I had people who were very confused. My, the first book I preached through when I became a youth pastor was the book of Judges. Some people are like, Judges? Really? I'm like, what else do teenagers need? <laughs> but to, to watch as the people of God just spiral further and further and further away from God as the book goes on, it, it's heartbreaking. But, but Ruth is a, a stark contrast to the book of Judges, where Judges is this desert of sin. Ruth is an oasis of people who are doing their best to live for God in spite of the difficult circumstances around them. Even if everybody else isn't going to serve God, Ruth and Boaz and even Naomi over time, they, they determined to serve God faithfully. An era where every man did that which, was, that which was right in their own eyes, which really isn't too different from our day and time, if we're being honest. But we get to see these folks who, who care about other people, who, who show compassion and grace toward other people. That in spite of the, 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 the hard times they fall in, the struggles that they have, rather than doing things in their own way, they seek God and desire to do things His way. And as chapter 1 begins as well, it describes this famine in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. And being in the time of judges, rather than staying faithfully, they decided, well, this isn't working out, so we're just going to go figure things out ourselves and go off to the land of Moab. They leave where God would have them there in Bethlehem, Judah, to go to Moab, a place they thought they could raise crops, be taken care of. Surely it's better than here. But Moab wasn't the best place for Israelites to go. Again, time of the, the Judges, you might remember the story of uh, King Eglon and Ehud there early on in the book of Judges. Uh, the Bible describes King Eglon that he was a very fat man. That's King James English, not trying to hurt his feelings or anything. That's just what it says. Uh, my pastor loves preaching that story because he, he titles it, When Lefty Stabbed Hefty. My preacher's left-handed, so I think he's a little biased as to why he likes that story so much. Uh, but yeah, old King Hefty was the king of the Moabites, the land of Moab. So just to kind of give you an idea of who these folks are, they, they've been enemies of Israel. But this is where Elimelech chooses to, to take his family to, hoping to find uh, some peace and some food along the way. But as we're introduced to Elimelech and Naomi, their sons, they... Tragedy soon strikes as Elimelech dies shortly after moving there. And we see this time passes as their sons marry two Moabitess women, Orpah and Ruth. And they live there for about 10 years. And, it, and it's interesting, we won't get into it as much tonight, but it certainly matters later that there's no children that are mentioned there in that 10-year period, which was uncommon for that day, not have any children. But at the time of this 10 years, unfortunately, more death strikes this family as Malon and Chilion pass away as well. And now think about this here. In the land where they came to find hope, they now have lost their father, their 
sons-in-law, their husbands, their brother-in-law, this whole family. They came here looking for hope, and now there's been so much death and destruction, they're in an even worse state than when they arrived. Naomi's left all alone with her daughters and is once again with no hope. But she hears that Bethlehem is no longer in a famine these ten years later, decides, okay, I guess I'll just go back home, and tells Orpah and Ruth that, well, I guess you can just go back home as well. Go back home to their old families here in Moab. She didn't want them to feel obligated to stay with her. I'm too old to have a husband. Are you going to wait around for for more sons to marry for me? That's ridiculous. Just go back home to your old families, your own lives. You can forget all about me. And they have a tearful goodbye. And while Orpah does decide to go uh, there in verse number 14, there's a contrast made that Ruth stays. She stays with Naomi. There's a clear distinction between these young ladies and their decision. In verse 15, it describes it as Orpah's going back to to her people, going back to her gods, that she'd lived her whole life there in Moab, a land of idolatry and wickedness, and it wasn't pleasing to God whatsoever. But you know, it's the kind of decisions that most folks in our world would make when they fall on hard times, they fall on difficulties. I'll just default back to what I know. I'll go back to what's comfortable. Well, this whole serving God thing's getting a little difficult. It's getting a little challenging. I guess I'll just go back to what's safe and comfortable for me, and I'll figure it out on my own. Orpah goes back to what's comfortable, goes back home. But Ruth makes a different choice. Ruth makes a choice to stay with Naomi. In verse 16, look at it again. It's probably the most well-known verse from the book of Ruth, and it's certainly key tonight. It says, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God. She's not going to worship those false gods of the Moabites or live the way that she had before. Instead, she's going to stay with Naomi. Her people will be Ruth's people, and most importantly, the the one true God of Israel will be her God. She makes the choice, the choice that the God of Israel, the one true God, that that Ruth, again, a Moabitess woman, she's not an Israelite, a Moabitess woman makes the choice that God will be her God. They both just lost their husbands. Their, their, their income, probably not much food, not much money, not much uh, the, the security that comes with a spouse to take care of you. Talk about your, your whole world changing overnight. Everything you've known, your brothers-in-law, your, your father-in-law, your, your sister-in-law is going back home. This is a pretty difficult circumstance. But in spite of that, she still chooses to make God her God chooses to believe on him, to have have a personal relationship with him. And again, this is key to understand that this isn't just routine. It's not just the the surface level, not just because mom and dad made me do it, or because, well, I've always done it that way, so I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. No, she made it personal. This wasn't secondhand faith. She makes the choice that in my life as a Moabitess woman, your people, my people, your God, my God. And it changes the entire course of her life. 
to get a little bit ahead of myself here and think about this, this is King David's grandma. That didn't happen by accident. A Moabitess woman, King David's relative. This choice influenced all the rest of her life. We can trace it all the way down to the lineage of our Savior here tonight, folks. A Moabitess woman made the choice to make God her God. It changed everything. And your choices don't just affect you. It affected her family, her future, her grandchildren. Great grand Generations to come were affected by the choice to be all in and live for God instead of just keeping it surface level or just doing it out of routine, just going through the motions and checking the box each and every week. She made it real and personal in her life. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. And she lived it. She lived it. Changed her entire life. There's such a contrast between the book of Ruth and Judges. Judges, we see that the crisis of the collapsing nation. We see God's people continually fall so far into wickedness and into sin that by the end of the book of Judges, the last several chapters, God's not mentioned at all. Who at the, the beginning of, book, the, of the book, the, the Joshua generation, there was, there was a difference between God's people and not God's people, the Canaanites, that they were supposed to destroy. But by the time we get to the end of the book of Judges, there's really no difference at all. They'd become exactly like the wicked Canaanites they were supposed to destroy. Idolatry, sodomy, murderers, abusers of women, thieves, liars, the list could go on. But Ruth, a Moabitess woman, not an Israelite, a woman of that wicked culture who, in a painful and difficult time in her life, still chose to believe in God and have a personal relationship with Him. And really, that's our question tonight. Is God your God? I believe that's so important here tonight, folks, because everything that happens in the rest of the book of Ruth, it hinges on that choice. On that choice, to make God her God, it all relates back to it. Now some may be wondering, wait a minute, what does this have to do with Japan? Aren't you a missionary here tonight? You're supposed to be talking about money and giving and things. We'll we'll get there in time, sure. But you see, folks, Japan is a nation completely consumed with tradition. With religious tradition. And idolatry. I mentioned it somewhat last night, Brother Joel mentioned it again tonight, that to, to be Japanese is to be Shinto and Buddhist. There's no difference. There's no difference. It's just a part of who you are. Here we may have, oh, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Catholic, a, a Presbyterian, I'm an atheist, a Mormon, a Muslim. You're all, you all look the same in McDonald's. But to be Japanese, it, it is to be Shinto. Buddhists. There's no difference. They do it because they don't really have much of a choice. That's the way it's always been done. They have a saying in Japanese that the nail that sticks up is the one who gets hammered down the hardest. Nobody wants to be the nail that sticks up because they're all so afraid of being hammered down by their community and their family, their friends. To not conform, to be different, to think for yourself, then you're not Japanese anymore. This is what it takes for them tonight, folks. We, we sometimes forget when it's just a Bible story or it's a familiar story. We've heard it before. But think about this tonight. This is a young lady who's just had her entire world, her entire life, the love of her life taken away from her. 
Her husband, gone. Her brother-in-law, gone. Her father-in-law, gone. Her mother was going to leave her and say, just go back to your old family. Go back to your old ways, your old gods. You're better off without me. Clearly things aren't working out so well for me, so just go. Leave me. But Ruth says, no. There's still something different about you. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. She chose God. She chose God. She chose God over her people. She chose God over her country, her family, her upbringing, everything she's ever known, everything she's ever loved her her whole life, to put all that aside to say, God, I'm all in. You're my God. To make it personal. That's truly the, the task ahead of Brother Joel, myself, and really anybody is to put aside everything you've ever known in life, to put aside tradition and family, the religious routines, potentially friends, your community, everything that's ever mattered to you, everything that's been drilled into you from the time you're an infant to be important and valuable in life, to put all that away for God. The need is great, folks. We're so blessed here tonight to to grow up in a country with that freedom, the freedom to, to think for yourself, to ask questions. That most people, even if you walked into to Walmart tonight, most people have probably heard of David and Goliath. They've probably heard of Noah's Ark. They've probably heard of Jesus. But not everywhere. It's a tough people to reach. But it's certainly not impossible. Because His grace is sufficient. He is the God of the possible tonight. And there's no greater life lived than one lived for God. And while Ruth certainly will face plenty of more difficulties, this choice to make God her God, it changed her entire life. And the impact of that choice affected far more than just her. Is God your God? We could certainly ask that tonight in salvation. That has there been a time and place in your life where you trusted in Christ as your Savior? When not this a missions conference? It's a Thursday night. This isn't even a normal church night. You're talking about salvation? Yep. It's a missions conference. What, what could be more important? It's church. It's the word of God being preached. I, I don't know you folks. But the Lord knows you. Where are you at here tonight? Has there been that time and place in your life where you called upon Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? It's the most important choice that any of us could ever make. The choice to, to place your total faith and trust in Him alone, not, not in works or, or traditions. You know, ma- many a church member has been saved that was like, well, I've been here my whole life. They'd think it was pretty crazy if, if they found out I wasn't really saved. No, I think they'd just be excited for you. You know, it says that the, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repenteth. Don't let fear stop you. So many people just go through the motions relying on that, the second-hand faith. Well, I'm a pastor's kid. Well, I'm a Sunday school teacher's kid. I'm a deacon's kid. Well, I've just kind of always done it this way. Well, I'm I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty faithful to church. You know, I got this tie on tonight. No, but is God your God? Have you made that choice? I can't make it for you. Brother Metzinger can't make it for you. Have you made that choice? But that question of, is God your God, it can certainly be asked in your daily life as well. 
And are you just living for yourself? In this context here tonight, we can compare pretty clearly the time of the judges versus Ruth. She's right in the middle of it. Many folks live a whole lot more like a Samson than a Ruth. Where Samson was completely obsessed with Samson. He was raised in a a Christian home, so to speak. Parents who loved him. He had so much potential, and he threw all of it away for himself. Dad, I don't care what you've raised me in. I don't care what God wants me to do. I don't care about all of that. You see that Philistine woman? I want her. Bring her to me. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Perhaps when you feel like there's no hope in your own life, going through a hard time or a difficulty, you just try and deal with it on your own? Or do you trust the Lord? Trust the Lord. Is God your God? That that looks a whole lot like a personal relationship with Him. And that's something that's so incredible here tonight, folks, is is that we we serve a a personal God. You you can know Him and have a relationship with Him. And I think sometimes we... We miss that. We miss how, how real a relationship with God can be. And having the opportunity to, to go to Japan and to walk into a, a Shinto temple, the largest temple they had there in Hokkaido, and we went at the time of day where <clears throat> it was nearing the end to see the people coming in and they, they give their money, they clap their hands, they go through the motions all the time, every year. They do it because, well, I've always done it this way praying to demonic spirits or just praying to whatever, throwing their money in there, writing prayers that will never be answered. But see, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I have a video of it if you'd like to see it later, you can come find me. They have one of the the Shinto priests there at 4 o'clock on the dot. He starts pounding on this drum. And what that means is your access is closed. The doors begin to shut. They push all the people out of the temple. You're done. I hope your prayers were were made. Your money was given. Because time's up. Your access is cut off. There's no relationship. Just fear. Routine. Go throw in a couple of coins and then go back to work. But our God's not like that. He's not like that. You can know him. You can talk to him. He'll talk to you. It's a real, genuine relationship with God. The God of all creation. The one true God. You can know him and spend time with him. Don't ever underestimate the value of that. <clears throat> Is God your God? You don't have to, to turn there necessarily. We are going to look just briefly here at, at chapter 2. I, I think it's important to, to show the, the godly character of Ruth, but also of Boaz here in chapter 2 as he's introduced. <clears throat> um, verse number 3, it says, And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kin- kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless thee. And then he said unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And he, he describes who it is and explains the situation with Ruth and Naomi a little bit. And then jump down there to verse number 8 as Boaz is talking to Ruth. Now he says, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. 
and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. And she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? We'll stop there reading for, for tonight, but I think so many things are on display here. That, that Ruth, she's hardworking and faithful. She just trusts the Lord. You know, her husband's gone, so she goes to work. She knows somebody has to take care of Naomi, so she goes and takes care of Naomi. She's not out there looking for a husband or, or flaunting herself to Boaz to try and get noticed. No, she's just a faithful young lady who's doing what God wants her to do. And in God's timing and in God's manner, he brings Boaz to her. And we could really keep going tonight. But Boaz, we see he's respectful. He's a good leader, a kind employer. We see him actually speak to his employees. Some of you may wish your employer did that. I don't know. Or maybe never talk to you. I don't know where you work. <clears throat> but you know, in the book of Judges, it, it was so common. It was the norm to be cruel and selfish and rude. The, the abuse, abusive toward women. He, but he doesn't go after Ruth. He doesn't hurt her or yell at her. As so many would have done to a foreign woman who was in their field. Again, she's not an Israelite. A Moabitess woman who was gleaning in his field. He's kind to her. He protects her. He tells his servants, you leave a little extra for her. Ruth, don't go into any other field. My, my men won't touch you. They won't bother you. You're safe here. You're safe here. Even in the time of the judges, people could still live for God. People can still do what's right. It doesn't matter how, how difficult the circumstances around you are, how messed up our country is, how messed up our world is. You can still serve God. You can still be faithful. You can choose to have a personal relationship with God. What if you had to leave everything behind? Your family and friends, your home, your city. That's where Ruth's at tonight. Is God your God? Leaving behind your pride, perhaps, the, the fear of man that would keep you from witnessing to a coworker, keep you from witnessing to a family member, a friend. Missionaries have to leave behind their home, their language, their people, to instead go to the people that God has called them to. Many times people who don't really want them there and don't expect them to stay. I get asked pretty frequently, how, what, what's the reception like in Japan? Are, are, they, are they open to the gospel or are they close to it? How do they treat Americans like? They, they don't mind you coming because they never expect you to stay. Oh, you'll, you'll be here for a couple years and leave like everybody else. You don't really care about me. Your God's not really that important. You'll leave like everyone else when it gets hard. Ruth didn't understand all that was ahead of her. But she knew she had to trust God. And that's exactly what we need to do, folks. Because to be honest with you, I don't really know what Japan will look like. I've been there for a couple of weeks and got to see a lot, but it was certainly hard. I was telling some of the, the kids by our, our table last night that the smallest things that you would never expect to be difficult felt the most impossible. So after our, our second language class there, we went to go get on the streetcar. That's kind of like a bus on rails. You've, maybe you've seen them in a big city. 
which it's kind of like if we took everybody in this room tonight and put all of us in the bathroom, like at the same time, just to stand. That's about how tight it is in those streetcars. There's no social distancing. It's, it's right in there. You just got to go sumimasen and push your way through up to the front to get off that thing. Well, I figured out pretty quickly that we got on the wrong streetcar. <clears throat> I mean, I can't read it. I don't know. <laughs> so I figured out, I was kind of watching the numbers. I know we're stopped. Six. The, those numbers are going the wrong way. Okay, uh, Lizzie, I think we're on the wrong streetcar. So then we got to like penguin our way out through the front door and then get back on the right streetcar and pray that it actually was the right streetcar. Then we got off and we went to the grocery store. That's not scary, right? It's just the grocery store. Well, we couldn't read most of the food, and I was trying to Google Translate a couple things, and the milk said bones, and I don't know if I should drink that. Um, so I put that one back and got a different one, but this, the hardest part, the most difficult part, was getting to the, the checkout counter and realizing that unlike Walmart or grocery stores here where they just bag everything for you, in Japan, it's kind of Aldi style. You bring your own bag. I didn't have a bag. And I can't really talk to the cashier. And one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was try and figure out how do I ask for a bag for my groceries. I couldn't. I didn't get a bag from him. So I went to a different counter to try and talk to a lady while my wife had um, my backpack. We'd just gotten done with school. So she's trying to like stuff all of our groceries in the backpack as best she can. I walked over to this other counter. I did manage to get us a couple of small plastic bags. But the heartbreak and the challenge of something so seemingly simple, like most of you, I probably never would have thought about asking for a bag being so hard. But that's the challenge ahead. I don't know these people. I don't know this language. I didn't know I needed a bag. I don't know what other hard times are ahead. There's probably a lot harder times ahead than just getting a bag at the grocery store. But I don't know what's in store. But I know that's exactly where God wants us. And there's no place safer for you than right where God wants you to be. Is God your God? That choice will affect every part of your life. Just like it did for Ruth. She trusted the Lord. She focused on her relationship with him. She wasn't trying to force herself on Boaz or anything like that. She was just a godly young lady who took care of her mother-in-law after having to leave behind everything she'd ever known. It's an incredible little story with an incredible truth. To make God your God. To make it personal. Folks, let me challenge you tonight as we're about finished up to make missions personal. You know, that's why we have missions conferences. Because sometimes it can feel like as you're, you're giving your faith promise faithfully and you're, you're doing the things you're supposed to do, or where's all this going? It, it's going to, to real people, to real places. Those are real faces. All around the world, there, there's people who are doing their best to, to love on people, to preach the gospel and the Cambodia and Japan, the Philippines, Germany, wherever in the world it might be. They're real people. Make missions personal. Something that I was really challenged about was to, to pray more for missionaries. Folks, pray for them. And one of the best things you can do is let them know you're praying for them. Send them an email. Most of them have emails or a social media or something. Let them know you're praying for them. 
Write him a letter. Encourage him. You, you have no idea the blessing that it would be to just know that people are, are thinking about him. It gets pretty lonely when you can't talk to anybody. When you don't really have any friends. No family. That's all back home. Encourage them. Love on them. Make it personal. Make it personal. Will you make that choice to make God your God? Let's all stand together tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, sure thankful for, Lord, how you've used this passage to challenge me and my family, Lord, to to have a, a stronger personal relationship with you. Lord, that it isn't just a, a secondhand faith, but Lord, it's personal. It's real. And Lord, the challenge to even make missions personal. Lord, I don't know these folks here tonight. Most of them don't know me very well either. But Lord, you know these people. You know where they're at. Lord, I don't know if there may be a young man or a young family, Lord, that, that you're calling to the mission field or, or to ministry or Lord, to, to witness to that coworker, to that family member. Or, Lord, even if there's someone in here tonight that doesn't know Christ as Savior, Lord, let today be that day. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Help us here tonight during this invitation time. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. have a seat for just a minute we've got a few things i want to do in way of wrapping up first of all uh, on sunday we'll be handing out our faith promise commitment card hopefully you've been praying asking the lord what he'd allow you to do for the cause of missions this next year and um, so i had someone ask me tonight so how do i give to missions i said well you can give 
a one lump sum. You know, you want to give $100,000, that'd be great. We'd take it. Or you want to give 10 bucks. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can do that. Uh, a lot of us give weekly. And so, uh, you know, we've determined I'm going to give X amount of dollars each week for the cause of mission. So you'll get this card on Sunday. There'll be a place to write in what you want to give or a place to mark what you want to give and then an opportunity to mark it as weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. Uh, if you want to give a one-time offering, you can do that also. And uh, so I want you to just be praying about that and thinking about that uh, as uh, we get ready to head towards Sunday. We'll be doing that on Sunday. And uh, I mentioned to the church uh, last night that uh, tomorrow I fly out about 5 p.m. Uh, headed to Spokane, Washington to be uh, at the funeral of uh, Jim Zeke. And uh, so um, Brother Charles is going to be in charge, and uh, he's going to take over uh, service tomorrow night and uh, oversee it. And then uh, Saturday uh, we'll have uh, the dinner, and so I think we all know how to eat. And then we'll clean up and uh, all that good stuff, and so uh, I'll, I'll be back uh, Sunday morning. Uh, pray that, you know, all the flights work and all that good stuff so I can get in Saturday night, be here Sunday morning, and uh, we're just looking forward to what the Lord's going to allow us to do for the cause of missions this next year. And if you would uh, pray for uh, Brother Jim's funeral, that God would use that for his glory, and maybe even someone gets saved as a result of it, Amen. Uh, so be praying for that and pray for his family. Um, now, uh, because of that, the Parkers are going to leave and they're going to be in Halstead on Sunday. So normally I wait and either like Friday night or Saturday night, we acknowledge missionaries sometimes on Sundays. Uh, but we're going to acknowledge missionaries tonight, okay? So I'd like to invite our missionary couples to come and stand down front here, if you would please.
Massacre's Men.